This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From Variety, celebrating more than 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. I don't think I even noticed how, at least at that time, how I was just accustomed to there not being black superheroes. You know, it just, you know, the, the best you got was like uh, He-Man, there was uh, supposed to be a black character in there, at least he was voiced by a black guy and he was modeled off of a black guy, I forget his name, but you just, you, you just weren't seeing anyone. But when Spawn came out and Blade, then it was really exciting just to have some superheroes that somewhat looked like you. Mahershala Ali won't say much about his appearance in the upcoming reboot of Blade, but he does give full credit to the legacy of the original film star Wesley Snipes. I'm Janelle Riley. On this episode of the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast, we talk to Mahershala Ali about his new film Swan Song, in which he plays both a man and his clone, and what it was like to reunite with his Moonlight co-star Naomi Harris. And yes, we tried to sneak in a Blade question in there as well. It's next on this edition of the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast. Stay close. As the winner of two Academy Awards, it's hard to believe Mahershala Ali could still have any firsts before him. Yet his latest film, Swan Song, marks two. It's the first feature film to be produced by his production company, No Wonder, and it marks his first leading role in a movie. Swan Song also marks the feature directorial debut of Benjamin Cleary, who previously won an Academy Award for his short film, Stutterer. Set in the near future, the film stars Ali as Cameron, a man diagnosed with a terminal illness. For the sake of his wife and son, Cameron chooses to secretly have himself cloned. He then spends time with his clone, who not only looks identical to him, but possesses all the same memories. I can't lie to my family anymore. The second you tell your wife that you are dying, your opportunity to do this is gone. You want to go say hi? So he has everything. Even the memories you store deep in your subconscious. Do this with us and let life go on for your family. A clean swap. What's going on, Cam? Can't figure out what the right thing is here. <laughs> Thought I had more time, I guess. You have an opportunity here. I'm not done. I didn't say he could You're go. You're dying. No, I don't like this. You think I like this? Being told I'm not me. Because you're not me. You are not me! It's an intriguing setup and an emotional journey as the film examines humanity, grief, and sacrifice. And Ali is aided by a stellar ensemble that includes Glenn Close, Aquafina, and Dax Ray, the talented young actor who plays his son. 
Ali also discusses his role as producer and the impetus behind launching No Wonder. We began by talking about his role as the vampire hunter in the forthcoming MCU movie Blade, which he politely navigated questions about. You don't know how big how big the Marvel Cinematic Universe is until you're involved in it in some way. And I've gotten just a light taste of yeah. it. But it is that the the, the fan base is <laughs> so big and strong. Like there is an army of uh of fanatic fans out there yep. when it comes down to the Marvel stuff. And so got to respect it. Can so. I, um, uh, can I ask you a little bit about blade? I don't know sure. how much you're, yeah. Sure. No, I, I mean, mean, you're not going to yeah. get a great answer, but I will, <laughs> I will, I will dodge your questions as, as graciously as possible. Well, I'm actually curious because I remember uh, like personally discovering blade for my godson um, because yeah. he wanted to see black superheroes basically. Yeah. And, you know, so it was, it was really important to him. And that's how I sort of like became aware yeah. of him. And then through that black Panther and yeah. so on and so forth. Yeah. What, what did you know about blade prior to grabbing the role? Uh, well, only what was shared with only what I discovered, like everyone else in the late nineties with Wesley Snipes, you know, and was even was, I, I don't think I even noticed how, how at least at that time, how I was just accustomed to there not being black superheroes, you know, it just, you know, the, the best you got was like, uh, he, man, there was, a uh, 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 I forget the, the character's name in that there was like a, supposed to be a black character in there. At least he was voiced by a black guy and he was modeled off of a black guy. I forget his name. Uh, oh gosh, I'd have to look it up on IMDB or whatever, but you just, you, you just weren't, seeing anyone but in once you saw when spawn came out and um uh blade then it was really exciting just to just to have some uh, some superheroes that like somewhat that looked like you you, you know in in that place and, and i and i you see the impacts of that black panther has had on the culture which which go beyond either of those projects, you know, um, cause I also think inherent within black, black Panther, that's a very, the, what that character is about and just the, the, the world itself, it's, it's, um, it's a story that's more, more suited and set up better for an audience to get behind. And then you have what Chadwick did with the role and everybody else. And that, that just kind of took it to a whole other level, you know? So I actually wanted to ask you, uh, because I know that Swan Song is your first produced narrative feature, or first, sorry, yes. first narrative feature as producer. You obviously did yeah. hear the dream um, yeah. last year. Um, can you tell me about No Wonder, your production company? What, sure. Did you always want to form one? Do you have like a mantra or something specific that you're drawn to? You know, it, it's it's an idea that I I had as early as around 2016 17 uh, around then I, I i really just started putting just in, in my mind i started thinking about how great it would be to to be able to to have a production company and, and, and to, to to be a producer then i started thinking about man it'd be great to get like some sort of production deal because you were hearing about that more at that time like and it wasn't just for actors like 
George Clooney or Brad Pitt, like who at, at you know, the, have achieved sort of the unachievable and like, okay, we'll give you a deal. I was seeing people who, who felt with them arms reach to me, getting opportunities to, to produce and their companies and their ideas be supported. So I started talking to my wife who I probably respect more than anybody else in terms of just her, her feedback and ideas and thoughts and whatnot. And, and I was like, we should start a production company, you know, because I, I talk through everything I do with her anyway. And she always has a lot of wonderful things to say, a lot of wonderful feedback and is of and from the world as well, you know, just as an artist. And so we formed a company um, right after I got a, a, a deal with with uh, HBO, First Look Deal. And then we also brought on our partner and friend, Mimi Valdez, who I met who was one of the producers on Hidden Figures and helps run uh, Pharrell's I Am Other film wing. And so the three of us essentially formed No Wonder. And we really began to, to talk at length about the gaps that we feel exist in the industry at this, uh, still at this point. Like you're always looking for where can we have something to say and in some ways really make an impact. And not that I haven't done it and aren't even scheduled to, to do it moving forward, but we didn't want to focus so much because so often our stories are the first black person to do dot, 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 or, mm. or could be essentially like civil rights or social justice stories, which all have their place as well. And and we have all of that sort of in our in our slate. But the main thing we really want to focus on is finding the extraordinary in the ordinary. And in a certain way, I felt like Swan Song was a perfect fit because it's in the not too distant future. And so all of the tech and and many attributes about the world should feel rather ordinary. Like it's nothing crazy happening in the film. The extraordinary piece is the twinning, is the doubling, is the clone. Um, I think the dilemma itself feels feels extraordinary, you know. Um, and so I think we're we're looking for stories that feel very relatable, but that have something really unique about them, that have a a hook about them that kind of makes or breaks the story that puts it over the top that makes it sort of one of a kind and and so i i would say those are the type of things that we feel very focused on and even if it's just the the character um and it doesn't have to be for me it could be i don't i'm not trying to be in everything we're producing but just something about it needs to needs to be exceptional and unique and and really add something to the conversation because the idea is not to necessarily be repeating things or or be so inspired by something else where you're basically doing a carbon copy of it like we're we're always trying to look to find a way where we can make a an organic and unique impact so benjamin cleary's uh script finds its way to you uh, i'm assuming as an actor do you sort of yeah. volunteer to help produce or did he ask you to come on board to help it all kind of happened at the same time. It was more of a, a opportunity to to act and produce and produce something. But you know that 
that can go a lot of different ways. Um, and if that's something that, and I'm sure there's been several scenarios where, where it happens that way, but if that's just a contractual thing, then that won't happen that way. The, the spirit of it has to be right. And so in, in being offered both positions, having some feedback about the script, having some real ideas, and most importantly, being able to sit down with Ben and get a great sense of where he was coming from, where the story stems from within him. And did we click? Did we vibe? Did, did it feel like we were good partners in terms of like collaborating? Um, and all those things felt right. You know, I've been in situation after situation where, where, and I mean, this in the most positive way, like where you're, you're almost envious of that relationship between like the lead actors and the director. And you see people constantly like working out scenes or talking things over, or changing things on the fly because, because they found a better way, you know? And, and I just wanted to be able to, to have that type of relationship with the director and someone who also wasn't afraid to tell me if, something wasn't working or if there was a better way to approach it. And, and so we've been able to, to have that relationship throughout and have gotten along really well. Are you sure he wasn't afraid? Because I just want to point out that Benjamin is an Oscar winner for his short film stutterer, but this is his yes. feature film directorial yes. debut. He's working with you, Aquafina, Glenn Close, Naomi Harris. I mean, yes. I have to imagine he had to be a little bit intimidated. <laughs> well, you know what? That's a question for him. I will say if he was intimidated, he hit it. He hit it so well behind behind uh, behind that beautiful smile. You know, he always he always brought his best energies. I think he did a wonderful job of navigating all the personalities. And as far as I know, he didn't he didn't bite his tongue. He just, he just found ways to, to be like really, really just gracious and kind. And, and you just, you knew where the note was coming from. So you're never questioning, like, is somebody just trying to direct you just to direct you? Or are you just getting this note? Cause somebody just needs to hear themselves talk or whatever. Like that was never the case with Ben, <laughs> like ever, you know, like he's going to speak to you when, he needs to speak to you. Other than that, you just do another take. Um, but I think just the the writing of the story and then just hearing the way that he would speak about it and the due diligence that was done in choosing department heads and the way that everyone sort of communicated about all things, even in, in casting, all of it. Like, I, I think it was it was all handled, handled really well. And in a way where it just, if anything, Ben's role in all of those elements, it just, it just made you trust him. Well, I, I think you signing on also probably was a big incentive for a lot of these other actors. You're obviously reteaming with Naomi Harris, who you're so wonderful in Moonlight, both of you. Thank um, you. Was that because of you? Did you reach out to her or you suggest her? We, Ben and I, we sat down and, you know, anytime you're in this unique and wonderful position to help cast a film, you know, you, you sit down and you start 
racking your brain and making a list of people. And as soon as we landed on Naomi, we were sold because then, you know, we're going back and Ben's reading it with Naomi's voice in mind. And, and he's like, Mahershala, like I went back and I reread the script with Naomi in mind. And I, I, yes, I'm confident she's the one I was like, all right, me too. And so we just, we, we reached out and, and she was like, you know, in a position where she could read the script and take time. And, and she said, yes. And um, I was thrilled because here it was this opportunity to work with one of the best living actors on a project that felt very different from the last thing we got to do together. And that would honestly, that was my only fear in working with Naomi a bit was, was not about Naomi. It was about the fact that we were and are a part of something that, that really resonated for people and people have a lot of strong and fond memories about that film and, and just the experience of it, of it all. And, and it, and it's both bigger than us, you know? And so that was my, my only concern for like a heartbeat, you know, but then quickly I felt excited. I really felt excited to, to sort of meet back up and, and as actors and get to step into the lives of of people who who had a very different thing to process, of people who were trying to keep their family whole, mm-hmm. and and that became really exciting to me. And we we honestly could not have made a better choice, and could not be more grateful for Naomi Naomi's willingness to to be a part of it. She's so great, and I I know she amazing. Only worked- like I think six days total on Moonlight. So you probably I think only, it was three. I think she worked I three think you days. You might be right. Worked. I, I worked like right. six. Yeah, she worked three. Yeah, it's so crazy. And she's in every part of the movie. one day. We worked together. We worked together in two scenes over two days. And one was in one was in the day and one was at night. Um so yeah and she just jumped right in it was incredible like i i I just will never forget that night especially like we finished filming and it was like i got back to my hotel i don't know 12 31 in the morning and i we're in miami and i I called my manager that late at night i was and i was like i was just trying to survive out there with her like she was drowning me she was incredible Like I really did. I swear to God, I called my manager just to tell her. I was like, I survived it. I survived. She was great. <laughs> I was trying to keep up. I kid you not. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it was pretty incredible. She's, you, a, she's a master. And you two have such wonderful chemistry in this movie. Like the opening scene is kind of like a rom-com. It's a really sweet meeting between the two of you. And when I saw this, I didn't know. I don't think that they had released a, a, a plot description at yeah. all. So I really didn't know where it was heading. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you really form this believable family. And then with this young boy, uh, Dax Ray, who plays yes. your son. Dax. Oh, my God. It's I just- call him. I told you, I, I call him Daxel Washington. He's so talented. This kid, if you see his audition tape or just like the stuff we had to do on the day. Again, we did a lot of improving as well. And and you can sort of feel that because every one of those flashes, whether it's um, 
a split second or or a flashback that you live in for a minute like every single shot that you saw were full-blown improv scenes you know um for those flashbacks and so we got to just see a lot of what he could just do just as a talent and so he was phenomenal and we all immediately clicked uh naomi is so key to our chemistry working because i just think she's such a wonderful leader as an actor and i don't mean it because of anything that she may say mm -hmm. but just if you if you just watch how she behaves and how she approaches the scenes that you can't help but want to jump into and not worry about how you look or sound or feel but just the the commitment to whatever the scene requires and giving it everything you have as soon as the act the director calls cut and we did that with no rehearsals like we literally just shot like every day we never rehearsed we never ran lines um we just jumped in and her willingness to do that it, it made it very easy for me to to do that and and really enjoy working that way because it wasn't about practicing what we were going to discover it was about learning what we were going to discover every day and every moment and after ben would call cut look at each other and how'd that feel <laughs> felt pretty good all right let's move on you know and and if it if we felt like we could do it better it's like hey let's do it again all right let's do it again and we would just do it again and so the the chemistry i just think really just speaks for the love i think we both have all three of us all of us had for the story and the characters and wanting to honor their relationship and i just think it just brought out i think all of our best qualities after the break more from mahershala ali from los angeles this is the award circuit podcast Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we're back. It's the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast. I'm Janelle Riley. We're talking to actor Mahershala Ali, star of the new film Swan Song. As our conversation continues, I mentioned that although Swan Song is about a man who is dying, the film never feels maudlin or depressing. It's actually rather soothing and reaffirming at the same time. It's a challenging subject matter likely made more difficult by shooting in the middle of a pandemic. I ask Ali if it was ever hard to be on set and get in the mindset of this character. Yeah, it was it was hard every day. And and I don't mean that in like where it was unmanageable or unbearable, but but taking on a set of circumstances that are not my own for more time than I get to be in my own issues <laughs> is always challenging. It's always challenging. But but I think at a certain point 
like filmmaking begins to feel very alive mm. in that every day, even if the scene reads fairly easy, every day you're bumping up against things that you suddenly don't have answers for, that you are not sure if you're going to do very well. It could be the simplest scene. And there's just something about it that is just like, ah, not quite right. And so I think you wake up every day almost conditioned to deal with the challenges and problem solve for that day. And that, the process of doing that begins to take on a life of its own because there's a real satisfaction and gratitude and being able to check off each day as you go through it, as you really butt up against something that isn't working or something that you thought may not work and it actually works. All the, the fears and anxiety and the frustration that can pop up for you or that hangs over your head, you just constantly have to keep plugging away at it and, and work it out like the whole time, even up until the movie is released to a certain degree, like that, that work doesn't necessarily stop. And so, so there's something that, that something in you has to enjoy problem solving and puzzles. And I think if you, if you're cool with that, then I think you're good with making movies. (laughs) (laughs) If you, if you like problems and puzzles and solving them and finding resolution and answers for the sake of something being able to be birthed or to live on in in a really beautiful way that that you realize how much work goes into it and so if you if you begin to enjoy discovering answers it's a beautiful process what about just the logistics of you know being your own co-star like, I mm. don't know how it works, especially on an independent budget, um, or maybe yeah. it doesn't, maybe that doesn't affect it, yeah. but, um, you know, are you acting opposite a stand-in? Do you have to go back and do yeah. the scene over and over again as different as yeah. both Cameron and Jack? <laughs> we, that was one of our early conversations and, and, and early concerns was how do we, for the sake of the scene and to help me, how do we do that? And do we put a, a a stand with a tennis ball on top of it or or a picture and play the audio do we get so we landed on getting a wonderful actor who was an american but happened to be living in canada where we shot uh, a terrific actor by the name of shane dean and he and i would just every day that we were working together would just communicate about what the goals of the scene were, uh, what moments to hit and, and, and what my expectations were of each of those moments. And he did it and did it with flying colors. And we'd switch sides of the camera and he would go play the other character that I wasn't playing. And I would go, I would go, you know, uh, shoot my side of the coverage. And so it was really, it was really a wonderful collaboration between Shane, Ben, and I. Uh, it would start with me having to sort of share how I saw the scene, Shane uh, living up to that, 
and then as we were going along been been tweaking throughout and and trying to just improve the performance and and it was it was it was great to get to do uh honestly and i i'm so glad that we went the the route of using a double mm. opposed to somebody reading off camera or simply playing my audio back because we did do my audio we did use my audio at times um because it just it was nice to break it up where i really could i i would i could uh, there were moments where i really needed to feel like i was hearing the character as the character was intended to be heard and that would have an impact in moments where where it really mattered and and then sometimes it was really better to have shane do everything you know um and so uh meaning the vocal stuff and and whatever i'd asked of him to do physically as well but but we approached it a couple of different ways but the but it was always it was always a collaboration what was it like because you're filming it so you're there you're experiencing it but then you see it cut together because it's it's not just visual trickery we really have to believe that these are two different people. I mean, yeah. they're the same person, but they are experiencing very different lives at this point. Yeah. You know, one, yeah. one only has weeks to live and the other one yeah. wants what he believes is his life back. Yes. Yes. And yes. It's you really feel bad for Jack because yeah. you feel like he's sort of being held prisoner until he can continue with his life. Absolutely. Um, so it really hinges on your performances, plural. Yeah. Um, when you actually saw it all cut together and realized how sublime it was, was there relief or just joy or just satisfaction <laughs> there's never relief when i'm watching anything for the first time that's when that. the anxiety starts <laughs> but i am i was relieved that all the vfx elements felt like they were gonna work mm. you know um like it, 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 like beautifully you know and so and even honestly what was pretty incredible, the first scene that we shot twinning was the scene where the dog comes in towards the end and he looks at both of us and like runs out, right? That day, the first day, like, and we, it took us, it was a little sticky getting started, like, because we were trying to figure out some stuff still with the camera and all that, as you can imagine. But I kid you not, maybe 15 minutes, 10 minutes after we finally got something we were like happy with and that felt like a nice match and everything. I walked over to the monitor and I didn't even realize it at first. They're like, hey, Marshall, come check this out. How do you, how do you think it looks? And I walked over to the monitor and I started watching it and it was me acting opposite of myself. And, I, and it was so seamless. I didn't even notice at first. I swear to God, I was just like, wow, that looks, that looks good. All right, look at and then Ben was like, you see, it's you, I, it's you and you. And I was like, oh, my God. And I was just kind of blown away by how how quickly they were able to give us a dumbed down version of what we were going to see several months later. You know, um, but but yeah, I, I was I was definitely at ease upon seeing like how well a joy um, a joy Manny, our, um, our VFX supervisor was able to quickly put, put me in the same room with myself. It was pretty phenomenal. 
I, yeah, I, I was really <clears throat> blown away because even when you know how it's done, if you lose yourself in a movie and that's, I think the performances, you know, yes. that, that you buy into the whole concept. Um, and obviously this movie I think is, is, I know it has, and it's going to continue to touch a lot of people. I feel like yes. people get very emotional about it. Um, they relate to it. It's, it's always interesting to me when something so specific is so universal. Mm. Um, yeah. What, what have sort of those conversations been like? Because I, re- I remember I had to like hold myself together and not cry <laughs> yeah. talking to people yeah. after I saw it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's a film that is, that is uh, really resonating with people now in a way, in a way that feels, that feels very specific and very personal. And, and I think that would have been different if the film came out, say, two or three years ago. Um, but I think we're all fairly sensitive because of we, we lose people every year. You know, that's just that's part of life, obviously. But we've lost so many more than than what would be normal in the last two years that I, I think everybody is feeling impacted by COVID in a heightened way. And so I think. You know, it's been interesting even speaking to like journalists and that's who I'm speaking to more than anyone else. I haven't had a lot of opportunity to be in Q&A's and where you're, you know, speaking to a lay person about like how the movie impacted them. But I've had a few journalists get teary eyed in speaking about having recently lost someone and 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 what the movie has brought up for them. So. And and I will say that the conversation feels healthy. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't feel like it, it, it doesn't feel like it's bringing up emotions for people and just kind of like leaving them hanging per se. Like I, I do think that the film ends up to me putting an emphasis on us really being, you know, present with each other in the time that we have and being very aware that we need to be present and and love as hard and as full as we can now in and that it doesn't require us having a ticking clock or or a or death sentence to to wake up and appreciate um your your life and your talents and your desires and and your your idea of what fulfillment is and to 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 work toward that because that's what Jack does in the in in the movie. Like he has the same qualities and attributes and talent as Cameron, but given an opportunity to maybe live on if he's permitted to, he's already displayed what he's willing to do with that life and with the time that Cameron could have Cameron could have taken advantage in the same way, you know, until yeah. his number was called. And so, um, so I, I guess if anything, like people are, are definitely having strong and like, you know, cathartic reactions to, to the film. And I think it's allowing folks to, to walk away from it and, and, and process a lot about their own lives or even, even the loved ones that they've lost. I was feeling like weirdly protective of Cameron because I was afraid that people might see this movie and think that he was selfish to not yeah. tell his wife what was going on. And yeah. I've been, I've underestimated people because I haven't heard yeah. anyone say that. Like everyone thinks 
you know, that everyone gets where he's coming from and that this yeah. is actually a, a very selfless act, what he does. And it's a real struggle for him. That's yeah. that's actually most of his struggle is the fact that he's in a position where he's not allowed to tell her. And and she in her own ways and him like, you know, just trying to listen. She had had kind of made it clear, like, I can't live without you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what. And, you know, anytime anyone has said that in the heat of the moment or in a breakup or whatever that thing is, if if anyone's been on the other end of that or what have you, like. You know, you hope that that person doesn't mean that, you know, but Cam saw what he saw. He saw her navigate a depression and in knowing that and in seeing that, I think that all those things contribute to him making the choice that he makes. But honestly, I think it would have been a much easier decision for him if he was permitted to to tell his wife, if to I tell agree. Poppy, because... Because he would have. He definitely would have. I kept thinking he was going to, actually. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny how you can watch a movie you've seen before and think there will be a different outcome. (laughs) Well, that's my issue with heat. It always ends the same way. And I need De Niro to get get away at the end. But like I literally that's the one movie I think of all the time that I wish would end different was heat. Because I watch it. I've watched that movie a hundred times. And at the end of the movie. I always want De Niro to get away and it doesn't happen. And I'm sitting there thinking like, maybe it happened this time. (laughs) It's so funny you say that because I only saw Heat when it came out and I did not respond to it. And it's one of my best friend's favorite movie. And we just made an agreement that I would rewatch it. There you go. Give it a new, all these years later. And he in return has to watch something that I pick. Oh, yes. He doesn't think he likes, but I'm, I'm having a hard time coming up with what that should be. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yes. You, you'll, you'll find something good. You'll find something good. But now you're the second person who has like mentioned heat this week. And I really got to give that movie another try. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> heat and the fugitive. I could watch. Love I, those fugitive. are like two like very successful commercial films that I, I could watch over and over again because I'm a huge Harrison Ford fan, but then anyway. me too. Yeah. Me too. You yeah. got to work with him. I love when people say that. <laughs> you know I sound like funny? my mom. I, you, you believe it or not. I have. I have a scene with Cliff Curtis and Harrison Ford from a movie I did in 2008. And it's so quick. I forgot that I did it with him. But I had, uh, what was the name of that movie? Dang it. Um, I'll, I'll look it up. Sean, I think it was Sean Kramer directed it. Is that his name? But Oh, wait, uh, was, this, but, was this the one um, uh, Crossing Over? Crossing Over. But that, I was finishing... Curious Case of Benjamin Button, I booked that and I got to go work and I got to do a scene, a pretty nice scene with Harrison Ford and and Cliff Curtis. And at the end, uh, Harrison Ford looked at me and he said, good job, kid. And I was like, oh. it, it made, there was nothing like that. I, could, I would have did it for free to to oh, to get that compliment from Harrison Ford. Like it, it, he meant it, gave me a good handshake, looked me in the eye and he, was, he said, good job, kid. And I was like, yes, I made it. <laughs> That's Mahershala Ali, star of Swan Song, which opens in theaters and premieres on Apple TV Plus on December 17th. That's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. 
We'll be back tomorrow with another all-new episode featuring the Weekly Awards Circuit Roundtable and an interview with the Sparks Brothers, a.k.a. Ron and Russell Mayle. The Awards Circuit Podcast is edited by Drew Griffith and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Awards Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head over to Variety.com and click on the Awards Circuit tab to find the latest Oscar predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Clayton Davis, and Michael Schneider, I'm Janelle Riley. We'll see you on the circuit. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.